Thank you, Travis. Thank you, Ray, for giving us an update. If you were here last Sunday night, we didn't write encouragement cards to Ray and Sherry. That was a reason. We didn't want to write encouragement cards and comment about their ministry in Connecticut when, no, they are no longer in Connecticut. And I might also say in relation to Ray and Sherry, Ray along the way would give me a call sometimes and say pray for us, give counsel and so on. But wanted to let him share himself since he was going to be in the area you know, this morning concerning where they are. Let's pray together. Father, Christ is worthy. He's the Lamb, the perfect Lamb. And we thank you again for the relationship we have with you because of him. And as we reflect on Christ and the gospel as it relates to First Peter, we again want to be hearers, doers of your word. For it's in Christ's name I pray, amen. Imagine you're talking to a teenager in your neighborhood or a coworker, and the conversation turns to God. And the teenager says to you, you keep talking about God. What God are you talking about? How would you respond? As time passes in our country, we live in more and more an Acts 17 culture rather than an Acts 2 culture. Acts 2 culture is where God as creator is known. There is some knowledge of moral standards of good and evil, some knowledge of Jesus Christ. An Acts 17 culture is where there are many gods, little if any understanding about absolute right, wrong, evil. There's a thinking that education will solve problems. We need more laws. Individuals are not held responsible. And there's a tremendous emphasis on individual freedom. Several other items in our culture are present in an increasing manner. We don't understand relationships as God designed them in his image due to the influence of media, technology, and entertainment. The potential of individuals to do and accomplish and to achieve is very, very strong. Events such as shootings, and we've had quite a few of them in recent years and months, move us to figure out the problem and find a solution, whether it be laws, gun control, or better education. We rarely hear the word sin or violence played in games yields violence in life. Cultural change does not change the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. As we've been working through First Peter, we're finding Peter's hearers are being transformed in their daily lives, in their marriages, their parent-child relationships, their relationships overall, attitudes, their desires, their work, attitude towards civil authority, their thinking, how they see themselves, how they view suffering, plus other areas of life. Last week we discussed believers being sought, being light 24-7. 
Therefore, this morning I want to take some time to discuss the gospel of Jesus Christ that is clearly communicated in Peter as well as other writers of Scripture. We've been going through 1 Peter, verse by verse, paragraph by paragraph. But this morning we want to kind of step back and take a little bigger view of 1 Peter and address the gospel of Christ. To stimulate your thinking, I would ask a question, and I'm not looking for a response, at least not to me verbally. What gospel are you believing? What gospel are you sharing? What gospel are you living? These questions come from having lived in this area for many years and having ministered in this area And I think in our area in which we live, there's a number of things floating along over the years. I'm just going to mention some to challenge our thinking. We hear the statement, believe on Jesus Christ and you will be saved. And any of these statements, I'm not disagreeing with them, but I want you to think. Christ died for your sins. And be saved. Accept Jesus into your heart. We hear sometimes you're saved by faith, sanctified by doing, trying, reading the Bible and praying. So you're saved by faith, but you try. You have to work if you're going to be sanctified. Escape hell and go to heaven through Jesus. Most believers in Christ... Or must believe in Christ through, or you must believe in Christ, sorry, must believe in Christ through a certain Bible translation and then live well. Present in our area. Saved and secure no matter what. Come to Christ, you're saved, period. You're secure no matter what, how you live or how you respond. Saved from sin's penalty and have eternal life in the future. But live your life in the present, here and now, kind of the way you want. Faith saves you, but you must work, do, to live well. And I've heard these over and over again over the years, you know, just talking to people and ministering in the community. And the tenth one, salvation, redemption, reconciliation, preservation, preservation, Experiencing Christ 24-7 are all dependent upon Christ. I come to Christ in repentance and faith through the Spirit's work. I live each day in dependency upon Christ. Now the first nine statements, I'm not saying they're totally false. But they seem to lack in some way, shape, or form. The gospel influences not only our future, it influences the way we live and respond in the present. So this morning, again, we want to look at First Peter. Looking at it broadly, referring to various verses, give an overview of the gospel of Christ. And this chart is not sacred. 
I understand that. But one that I'm going to use, the message, the conviction of the Holy Spirit is involved, that results in relationships, results in life, which influence the present as well as the future. And under the message, we'll look at these one by one briefly. You could spend a lot of time on what's on PowerPoint now, but we'll look at some of them briefly. And again, looking at First Peter, limiting ourselves to First Peter, as we think about the message of the gospel of Christ, we're de- dealing with God. But what God are we dealing with? We're dealing with God who is creator. And more and more in our culture, we need to spell that out. And in 1 Peter chapter 1, and the gospel begins with God, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to God's elect, strangers in the world, scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through the sanctifying work of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ, and sprinkling by his blood. To God's elect. We're dealing with God. Look at verse 15 of chapter 1. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. And a few weeks back we commented more on that verse. But we're dealing with God, a God who is holy. In verse 17. Since you call on a father who judges each man's work impartially, live your life as strangers here in reverent fear. Again, we're dealing with God. He's writing to people who come to faith in Christ. So we're dealing with a God who is a father. So we think about the gospel of Christ. It involves God. He's creator. And he created man, woman in his image. We're dealing with man created in the image of God. And we know that in Genesis chapter 3, what we call the fall took place. Sin came into the world. Sin resulted in separation from God in terms of a relationship. And death came into play. Now, if you look at chapter 1 and verse 14, we find that sin is implied. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. He's talking about the way the hearers of his letter were before coming to Christ. Evil desires you had when you lived. In ignorance. Look at verses 18 and 19. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver and gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you by your forefathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He talks about redemption. Redemption is buying out. If you're going to buy something out in this context, it's dealing with sin. Look also in chapter 4 and verse 3. Chapter 4 and verse 3. For you have spent enough time in the past doing what pagans choose to do, living in debauchery, 
lust, drunkenness, orgy, carousing, and detestable idolatry. Talking about, again, the way they lived before coming to Christ. Sin evident, separation. I want to just mention sin means to fall short, to miss the mark. Human beings, by nature, are sinful. They fall short, they miss the mark. They have a nature that falls short. From that nature springs acts of sin. And I would distinguish between sin and sins. I have a sinful nature. Humans have a sinful nature. As a result, we sin. Now, follow me close on this. A cow produces milk because it is a cow. It producing milk does not make it a cow. A two-year-old and a 50-year-old sin or commit sins because they're a sinner. Sinning does not make them a sinner. And I emphasize that 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 is important as we think about the gospel of Christ, the creator God. And as Peter writes about this, writes about the gospel, sin is evident. Death comes into play. God told Adam and Eve, you know, they would die. Their relationship with God was affected immediately. Relationship between one another was affected Immediately, and physical death ultimately came. What we find in the context of a creator God, man, fall, sin, separation, death, God's grace comes into play. God's grace is so evident in 1 Peter, but as you read the Old Testament, God's grace is evident time and time again. Look at 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 1. I know I read this earlier. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to God's elect... God doing the choosing, God working. Then he says, strangers in various parts of the world. But notice in verse 2, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God, the Father, through the sanctifying work of the Spirit, for obedience to Jesus Christ and sprinkling by his blood. God pursuing, electing, his foreknowledge involved, the Spirit sanctifying, and the sprinkling by his blood. God pursuing. Look at verse 20 of chapter 1. He, referring to Christ, was chosen before the creation of the world, but revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him, glorified him so that your faith and hope are in God. Whether it be Adam, whether it be Noah, whether it be Abraham, Isaac, or Jacob, or the nation of Israel, God pursued them. And the ultimate pursuit was in the person of Christ. When Christ came, God's grace is necessary because humans are separated from a relationship with God. And Christ came into the scene, and you notice in chapter 1 and verse 2, at the end of verse 2, 
sprinkling by his blood, referring to the blood of Christ. In verses 18 and following in chapter 1, For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver and gold you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your forefathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him, you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him, and so your faith and hope are in God. In chapter 2 and verse 21, to this you were called, that is, suffering, because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin, and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they heard their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you've been healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Again, talking about Christ, the tree, righteousness, returning to the shepherd of your soul, tied in with the person of Jesus Christ. As you read the Gospels, we find the identity, the being, the character of Christ is so clearly communicated. Then we find his work, the death of Christ, his burial, his resurrection, his being seen come into play. And then in the future, His glory being revealed. Look at chapter 1 and verse 7. These, the trials that Peter's hearers were going through, have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes, even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and result in the praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. A day in the future, Christ is going to be revealed, and I think that's communicated in the book of Revelation. So Christ, his character, his identity, his being, obvious in the Gospels. His work, his death, being mentioned a number of times by Peter. His resurrection and his future glory. Look at chapter 1 and verses 9 and 10. Concerning the salvation... That's the salvation of the souls he mentioned in verse 9. The prophets who spoke of grace that would come to you searched intently and with greatest care, trying to find out, find out the time and circumstance to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. Notice the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. Christ suffered, but he came from the dead. He ascended to the Father. He's a high priest today, but there's still more glories coming in the future. So when we think about the message of the gospel, we're dealing with a creator God. We're dealing with mankind, the fall, sin, separation, death, God's pursuit of people 
displayed in his grace. And then Christ, who he was in his character, identity, and being. His work, his death, his resurrection, and his glory. It's that message, whether we word it as I did, that's not my point. But that's the essence of the message. And the Spirit of God then convicts of sin, righteousness, and judgment, repentance, and faith become a reality as the Spirit works and convicts. We respond to the work of the Spirit for those that the Spirit draws. Notice in verse 21 of chapter 1, through him, through Christ, you believe in God who raised him from the dead and glorified him. And so your faith and hope are in God. Understanding sin, our separation from God. Peter's here is understanding their sin, their separation from God, Christ and what he has done, and a repentance, a turning from, trusting in themselves, which we do by nature, to faith in Christ. Faith is trusting in a substitute, the substitute Christ. Trusting his sufficiency. <laughs> And just resting. If you were observant this morning, you noticed that I came up here and I sat down. I didn't pick up the chair, I didn't examine the chair in any way, shape, or form. What did I exercise? Faith. We exercise faith many times in different ways in daily life. Most of you crawl in bed at night without examining the bed. You just assume it's going to hold you because it held you the night before. And whenever you got the bed and the first time you crawled in, you assumed it was going to hold you. That's faith. You're just resting. Repentance, faith, resting in what Christ has done. God works. He was working in the Hearers to whom Peter is writing, but through him, through Christ, you believe in God who raised Christ from the dead and glorified him so that your faith and hope are in God. The message of the gospel, the conviction of the Holy Spirit, response and repentance and faith results in relationships or life. And I understand that when I use the term relationships and life, life as I will come at in a few minutes, there's much, much involved. But we come into a relationship with God. We come into a relationship with Christ. We come into a relationship into the sense that the Spirit of God lives within us. Look at chapter 1 and verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to whom? God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, in His great mercy has given us new birth into a living hope 
through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, fade, kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power unto the coming of salvation that is ready to be revealed. Notice he talks about a new birth. Our first birth, we're born into a family. Our second birth, we're born into a family. We're born into a relationship with God, with Christ, the Holy Spirit, with the body of Christ. Look at verse 22 of chapter 1. Now that you have purified yourself by obeying the truth, so that you have a sincere love for your brothers, Love one another deeply from the heart. For you've been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. He talks about again, being born again. In verse 22, obeying the truth so that you have a sincere love for your brothers. There's birth into a family. A birth into the body of Christ. Look at chapter 2 and verse 4. As you have come to him, the living stone, rejected by men, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. He talks about Living stones being built into a spiritual house. Coming into relationship with God, with Christ, the Spirit of God living within us. Being a member of the body of Christ. Look at chapter 2 and verse 9. But you're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people... But now you're the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, now you have received mercy. Chosen people, royal priesthood, holy nation, people belonging to God and so on. When we think of the gospel, we think of the Spirit's conviction, and we think of salvation, we come into life, eternal life, a relationship with God, a relationship with Christ, the Spirit of God living within us. But we also come into a relationship with the body of Christ. And in the body of Christ, we need one another. We need shepherding. We're dependent upon Christ. Being in relationship with God, being in relationship with Christ, the Holy Spirit living within us, being members of the body of Christ. means that sin has been dealt with. We have forgiveness. We have justification. We have redemption, reconciliation, along with many, many other items. But we also come into relationship, as Peter's hearers came into relationship with the world at large. The world of unbelievers, look at chapter 3 and verse 13. Who is going to harm you if you're eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear what they fear. 
those that were giving Peter's hearers a hard time. Do not be frightened, but in your heart set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you. Ask you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Keep a clear, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against you, your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. So their lives, the way they were living, apparently was creating some persecution or people asking also, why do you hang on to this message? Why do you keep going with the gospel of Christ? Why do you have this hope? And Peter says, answer. Be ready to give an answer. So the gospel brings us into relationship <coughs> with God, with Christ, the Holy Spirit living within us, the body of Christ, and responding to the world. And just a few comments then. I'm not going to take time on this. There's a transformation takes place in the center, immediate, a new creation in Christ. There's ongoing maturity. There's a future expectation, but there's also an ongoing battle. <clears throat> On your left, living by grace, not having to measure up, responding to done. We don't have to measure up. We're measured up in Christ. We respond to that. Peter's hearers responded in obedience on the right. Living from desire, delight, not duty, rules. More and more, I want to do to done. Because it's done. How many times have you heard How many times have I heard people say, I'm trying. I'm trying. Rather than resting in what Christ has done. Again, that's an overview of the gospel coming from 1 Peter. A couple comments as we close. The gospel of Christ is glorious. It's good news. Only the gospel of Jesus Christ can move people from sinner to saint as the Holy Spirit convicts. The gospel of Christ enables us to obey God because we want to, desire to. The gospel of Christ changes, transforms hearts. The gospel of Jesus Christ is not our coming to God, but God coming to us. And we respond to that as the Spirit of God works. The gospel of Jesus Christ is not the sinner or saint doing, but responding to what Christ has done. As Peter writes to his hearers, He's writing to those who had made a profession of faith in Christ. But he encourages them and 
emphasizes how to live and how to respond reminds them of the gospel that they had believed. How God had worked in their life and how they're to live in response to that. So as we live in our world today, we're offering good news. That is the good news of Christ. And my simple question is, have you come to faith in Christ? If not, why not today? If yes, then a question. In your day-by-day living, whether it be a little bit here and a little bit there, or kind of all in one setting, are we communicating the gospel with those in our world of influence? Are we just living out the good news of the gospel day by day? Let's pray together. Father, Saturdays are to be sensitive to you, to walk with you. That is possible, again, because of Christ. As we walk with you as students, as employers, as employees, as men, as women, as husbands, as wives, as parents, as children, as drivers, as shoppers, and so on, It's our desire, Father, to be sensitive to your work in our life. Sensitive to the gospel that we have and we are experiencing each day. May we be responsive as Peter's hearers were responsive. Living well in our daily life. Being willing to share the good news of Christ. And that might be over a period of time. It might be in one setting. But to be sensitive to those in our world of influence that don't know Christ. May we be willing to live well, but not only live well, but also verbalize. As you give us opportunity, as we listen to a person's trials or they bring up world events or they ask us a question about how we live and respond, we want to be responding. For it's in Christ's name I pray.